Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Welcome everybody, Jeff Chastain here again with the Building to Scale podcast where I just get the opportunity really to speak with uh, different entrepreneurs. This will be um, actually a third venture we've had into the alcohol industry recently. So that's tending to be a, a changing trend or a challenging trend this year with all the, the lockdowns and everything. But Today's guest with me here is Amy Stedman with Future Proof down out of Austin, Texas. So Amy, first off, welcome and thank you for taking a bit out of your day today to come talk with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and letting me share the story of Future Proof and Beatbox as well. You're welcome and thank you for... So tell us a little bit more about Future Proof and kind of where this all got started. We were we were talking a little bit ahead of time and this is definitely... a. I find it a really interesting story that kind of how you jumped onto the scene here with this. Yeah. So I met my business partners for Future Proof, you know, originally Beatbox Beverages in the business school at UT Austin. So McCombs Business School in Entrepreneurship Society. So Entrepreneurs Club. And we had just been talking at happy hour, of course, about, you know, how everything that we had seen in terms of box wine out there was really marketed to like retired people. And we had seen box wine at, you know, river floats and tailgates and parties and all over the place, you know, as, as grad students or, you know, undergrad students even. So uh, we, uh, you know, kind of saw that opportunity and it was 2011, you know, the year prior was when Poor Loco really hit the market in a big way. And, you know, we had saw things like Mike's Hard Lemonade be really popular. And so we wanted to create something that would be loved by millennials And for us, uh, we were actually the group of friends in grad school that were always trying to find out which music festival was happening that weekend, where we could go. I was actually a radio DJ on the student radio station um, and had my own sort of electronic music radio show at the time. So we wanted to create the the branding around Beatbox to be about music because that was the center of our social lives. And so that was what we wanted to create as well for the, for the product. So that was the very early thesis of it. You know, we did, you know, every business plan competition, every group project and MBA school that you could about this idea. And then eventually, you know, created our first production run of the product and launched it during South by Southwest, you know, just a couple months before we graduated in March, 2013, and then continued to work on it, you know, nights and weekends personally until, I was able to go full time in 2014 after we were on Shark Tank. So, um, oh, wow, yeah, those were the early days. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's early days, but still not that far back. So that's that's still interesting that you've gotten that far. So I'm curious more from your personal background. Was it always kind of the the entrepreneurial kind of background that you were looking to get into, or did this just come <clears throat> out and like I said in, in during the master's degree? Yeah, no, I actually had already started many businesses until then. My parents were entrepreneurs. We actually moved here from the Middle East when I was 10 years old to Houston. And so I had watched them, you know, start and grow their business here. And, you know, they had never been to college before. So for me to go get my MBA in entrepreneurship at UT and then go be on Shark Tank, that was like winning the Super Bowl, you know, uh, 
for a football dad or something like that. So um, they're extremely proud. And, you know, I, I was always watching them as a kid. I think when you're see something, I think, you know, both my business partners had parents that were entrepreneurs as well. So it, it didn't seem as crazy to us to start our own business than I think maybe some other of our peers um, at, at that time. At 20 yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> No, that makes sense. And it definitely helps to kind of come up with that, that upbringing for sure. Cause it's, it's a different, it's a different mindset for sure. Put it that way. For sure. Yeah. I had already started a online marketing agency. I was making websites, you know, I had a t-shirt company in high school. We just, you know, I think when you're kind of that kind of person, it just kind of happens. Just like when you're a musician, you know, you have to play music. So it just kind yeah. of happens naturally. Interesting. So I'm curious, because I've heard this go both ways when you're, and granted, you were all the way into the master's program for your business side, but what kind of impact has the, the schooling, here's the academic side of business degree equated now to actually running a, a real business kind of in the real life of the trenches here? How have those, has that been obvious lessons learned, picked up, or has that been, hey, we're still having to learn a lot of things on our own just because that was very academic at the time? Yeah, well, you know, you can teach yourself anything online these days, and there's so many amazing, you know, ways to learn things and discover from other people, whether it's on a podcast or something like this or, or other ways. But the main thing for business school for me was that community and network. You know, I hadn't met other people that had big visions to start companies, you know, just every day in my life, you know, and if I did, it wouldn't happen to be the same way. So to have an entrepreneurship club where there were a ton of other really educated and uh, really intelligent people that were really passionate about entrepreneurship, that was like a dream come come true to me to be able to be in that environment. And then, you know, the whole platform of business plan competitions and, you know, working with the entrepreneurship professors there and everything else. I mean, that it really did impact me a lot. And so that's why I chose to go to business school. I know it's not an option for everybody, but it, it was transformational for me. And, uh, you know, that's a big reason about why I was inspired to, you know, start Naturally Austin, which is a nonprofit that serves entrepreneurs in my industry, as well as, you know, serve on the board of other entrepreneur organizations, because um, those kinds of nonprofits and communities, I think, can, can provide that same kind of transformational access to people the same way that business school did for me. Yeah, no, it's the, the community aspect is always a big one. I, I look at it as to whether you're in school or whether beyond now kind of a thing there, because really that's one of the downsides to me of the entrepreneurial side is that you're in a lot of ways, granted, you had a few business partners, but you're almost in it alone at that point. It's like, okay, oh, where yeah. do you go for, for questions? Where do you go for stuff that, okay, I, we haven't done this before. We hadn't, we hadn't tried to hire employees. We hadn't <laughs> tried to build out systems. How do we do this kind of thing and finding those resources can be challenging, if nothing else, just because today there's almost so much information out there. It's like, okay, where do you go? Where do you start piecing it together? So having that kind of a, a collaborative base, a mentor base kind of a thing, I can see being a, a big help right there. Yeah, there's all kinds of accelerators that can help pair people with mentors and things like that, too. The, the three kind of groups that I work with in Austin are EO, which is a global group. Um, I also work with Naturally Austin, which is for natural products industry, CPG, retail products, that kind of thing. And then um, Bean Founders, which is for female founders. Um, and so, you know, we just try to provide those kind of same resources. I, I know there's that's what kind of just serving not just Austin, but more generally as well. So hopefully there'll be 
a lot more of these resources available for different industries and things like that. So that, you know, there is path to entrepreneurship for folks because it's, yeah. yeah. So I'm curious kind of over your journey for the last uh, seven-ish years, eight-ish years, kind of a thing there, if I can do some math, obviously from, you said four or five founders together now to 25 kind of employees. What's that, what's that shift look like for you personally, just from, again, being, being real small, being on your own to now handling a team, handling people around you? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty wild. And like, that's, that's honestly the craziest, most surreal part is the level of talent and the awesome players that we have on the team now, you know, executing something that for us was just a dream, you know, that we had a happy hour one time. So it's really crazy to think about, um, you know, having these people that are top of the industry leaders, you know, coming in to take beatbox to the next level is like, just, I'm so grateful. Um, And that's, you know, a big part and part of all the investors that have come in through our crowdfunding campaign, things like that, that have empowered us to do that. So uh, super grateful for those people that have empowered us as well. So so what was kind of the, the catalyst of saying, okay, we've got to start hiring, start growing. And then what is what, what did that look like at that point to say, okay, this has got to be more than just the four or five of us here? Was yeah, that- you know, it actually was pushed on us by a lot of our investors because most of our investors are actually entrepreneurs as well. Like Mark Cuban, for example, and um, the other investors on our board are entrepreneurs themselves. And so they kind of saw that we were getting to a point where we were, you know, only growing the business to a certain point, we needed to hire to get to the next level. It's actually pretty funnily well-documented on our episode of Beyond the Tank with Mark Cuban. It was actually when he kind of had the big meeting with us and we went forward and started hiring our sales team for the first time. And, uh, you know, at first we had a very lean startup approach to just hiring, you know, people that were fans of the product that, you know, would work with us and get to the next level, but weren't necessarily like top of the industry folks. Um, And that's what we needed to do to get to the next level at the time and what we could afford. But, um, you know, now that we've raised some more funds and we can bring in these people, it's been really transformational. And so my role has changed a lot from, you know, literally doing everything from making the product to driving it, to selling it myself in stores, to running the events and, you know, everything that we've done um, is now moved where I can really geek out about the strategy of the business and the processes. And so I just become a, a real process nerd. I'm the chief operating officer in my company. And so uh, we use a system called EOS, Entrepreneur's Operating System. And so I've gotten really into that and working with my team to try and make everybody uh, positioned so that we can scale and grow as fast as possible. And just trying to get these awesome, talented people to, you know, be streamlined so that we can grow as quickly as we can. Yeah. Also, I'm curious, since you mentioned it, what was kind of the, was it, uh, I know EO does a lot with EOS at that point. Was that kind of the entry point for, for EOS or where did, where did you get EOS from and what was kind of the, yeah. the catalyst for saying, hey, we need something here? Yeah, I absolutely learned about it through EO. You know, some of my forum mates uh, were EOS companies and really loved it. And, you know, EOS, for those that don't know about it, it's really just a distillation of a lot of best practices like the Rockefeller habits and other things. So, you know, it's just a system. It's been proven. It's not, you know, every company, I think, has little tweaks on it, but if you don't have a system, it's really transformational once you get on one. And, uh, you know, we also use Asana, we use, um, you know, different resources like that to help us keep organized because we're a fully remote team. 
you know, as a beverage company, we have a distributed sales team that covers a, a big geography. And so we have to be set up from a company perspective to, you know, manage everything remote. So that those things have been really helpful for us as well. And uh, definitely talking to my peers at EO about that all the time. Yeah, it's, I always kind of joke with people. It's like, everybody's got a system. There's, you have a way of running your business. It may not be well-documented or well-thought-out, but, but you've got a, <laughs> got a system or approach. And something like EOS or, like you said, Rockefeller Habits, just it helps solidify things. And really, to me, it helps bring that clarity there to where you can understand what's going on in the business. You can see exactly. what's going on in the business. And if you have a system that you're using like that, that has tools to train your team and things like that, too, it, it just makes it easier for you to train people and get them going quickly and things like that. So that's another part of it that we've loved as well. Yeah, it's, it's probably helped quite a bit with you being able to step up to that higher strategic role is that you're not having to be down in the trenches quite so much anymore. Yeah. So, yeah, we use the leadership, you know, level 10 agendas for the meeting. So, you know, we have a process for everybody in the company to touch base and, you know, tackle issues and things like that that come up. And so, yeah, it's definitely helped us, you know, cut down unnecessary meetings, um, you know, because we're all just working so hard all the time. It's a, it's a fast growing startup, right? So, things like that, that help us just be more efficient and have everything on Asana live. We can all sync kind of asynchronously um, outside of the meetings as well. That's just been really, really awesome. So I'm curious, going back, uh, we're obviously doing this now in 2021, a year, year and a half beyond this this pandemic, hopefully. What did what in, kind of impact did having those systems and that structure in place have on the company when you obviously hit the pandemic, hit Texas and everything shut down pretty much a year ago, spring break. So right, right at your peak season there. Yeah. Well, we definitely had an advantage. I think when a lot of my other friends, companies and things like that, were just trying to find systems that they could use to do things remotely where we didn't skip a beat operationally in terms of that. But, um, you know, obviously in the beverage industry, it was very scary when everything got shut down. We didn't know quite how it would be impacted. Um, you know, so our team, you know, also a big impact is as a startup would be our ability to fundraise, right? So in an uncertain economy, if you don't know that you can fundraise for a year or two years, potentially, depending on what the economy looks like, um, that, that would really affect things too. And so uh, approaching the spring, we were very cautious about our forecast for the year and some of our plans. Of course, all of our marketing budget got slashed because every music festival got canceled. Um, but we really just tried to support our wholesalers and retailers because they were the ones feeling all of the impacts with being stocked out constantly and, um, you know, having to be at retail at a time where we didn't know how the virus was being spread. It was incredibly scary. And so, you know, all of our beer distributors were out there every day at retail. So we tried to do our best to do whatever we could to make their lives easier in terms of keeping our product in stock and things like that, uh, where they're having issues with other brands. And so, um, that was a, a big impact for us. And our team really all had solidarity around it. And um, we just really focused in. And it, fortunately, uh, the channels that alcohol beverage really all migrated to were convenience stores, grocery stores, which is the primary channels where we sell our products, Beatbox, anyway. And so uh, we actually saw a huge growth in sales last year. Um, and so, you know, we didn't have to be so conservative with our ideas about growing the team and things like that. And so 
we just had those checkpoints along the way and then ended up, you know, lifting a lot of our budget restrictions and things like that so that we could continue to grow at the clip that we wanted to with the company. So, so no, no real major pivots or changes or anything with your direction at that point. I've, I've heard a couple of them that said, yeah, they actually did. It's like, a, I think actually both the alcohol ones I was talking to recently were saying more of a shift online and online sales kind of a thing versus you're still focusing on the, the brick yeah. and mortar sales kind of a thing more than anything. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do have some online sales, but, you know, if you just think about how you buy beverages, usually you don't want to wait two weeks for that to arrive, right? And so for us, from a compliance perspective, we can't own uh, shipping directly to folks. We have to go through a third party. And so it would be really hard for us to be able to compete with, you know, the the food grocery delivery services and things like that, the GoPuffs of the world that we've been really successful with. Um, you know, they can get deliveries out to people in 30 minutes, two hours from retailers. And so uh, that's what we've been focused on. We really, we are relaunching e-commerce and we have a, a new partner that's uh, working with us on it that we hope to provide a really great experience to customers. And that may be able to open it up for us um, as a larger channel, but just as a beverage company right now, it's, you know, retail is where, you know, 99.9% of those sales are. So that's where yeah. we're remain focused and you know we're like I said we're still we're still in only a fraction of the stores maybe three to five percent of all the stores that we can be sold in at retail and so that's what we're really focused on as a small company. No that makes sense and it's to me I think it probably goes back to some of the U.S. ideas of having that that tight focus to say okay this is what we're this is what we're going on there's plenty of market space obviously right there to get into without trying to be everything to everybody kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we want to get it going just because I know there's a lot of people. We have nearly, you know, over 2000 people on our store locator every single day trying to find the product. And so, you know, we want to have it online available for folks that just can't find it. And so hopefully we'll be in a store near them very soon. No, that's interesting. Cause yeah, I'm sitting here looking at the picture behind you. I'm not sure I've seen it before, but I'd be interesting to go, go try to find it kind of a thing there. Yeah, we've got a store locator on our website, epoxbeverages.com, so you can see. And um, yeah, we're in 30 states now and growing all the time. So, so is that, is it, what, what is your, your longer term picture then? Is that simply looking at the, the size and scope there? Or what's, what's kind of that, that big picture vision, that pinnacle that you're looking towards? Yeah, so Future Proof Brands is kind of set up to be a house of brands. We want to be the change that we want to see in the alcohol industry. Right now, we're actually in certification process to become a B Corp, and so we're in application for that. And so we are just trying to be the change and grow to create a next generation house of brands for millennials and for Gen Z. And so that means being sustainable, having diverse leadership, those kinds of things. And, you know, Beatbox as a brand right now is number one in Nielsen for you know, prepare a cocktail, single serve wine, and a top 10, you know, flavor malt beverage and seltzer in terms of dollars per point of distribution. And so there's really no reason why our brand can't be sold in, you know, every store out there. And so we just want to be, you know, the next major alcohol beverage company that you see out there, similar to, you know, Anheuser-Busch or Mark Anthony brands or anything else. So that's my my big vision for the company is to be the the next millennial Gen Z version of that or um, you know, partner with industry partners to, to kind of change our industry for the better in those ways, brand experience, sustainability, diversity. Yeah, I, I was looking through your website earlier before we got on. I, I 
picked up on several of the the core values, the key key items right there that obviously coming back. So what does I'm assuming your your focus there is obviously trying to get all the the employee base bought into that same message and try to build on it. You kind of mentioned it earlier. What kind of difference have you seen? assuming that they're they're on that same page with saying, hey, everybody's pulling in the same direction. Everybody's got this same mission of not just, yeah, we're going to go sell a box of wine kind of a thing here, but like you're saying, participating in uh, the other community events, the other things going on outside of your brand potentially. Right. Well, I don't think we need another a series of crises in the world to show us that there's more to this world than just money, right? So I think the climate crisis is kind of the next big one that all of us need to deal with as a as a species together. And so I think, you know, just being a workplace where employees can come and they don't have to feel like they have to turn off their souls at the door. They can work somewhere that is trying to make the world a better place um, in different ways. It's just more motivating than just working somewhere just for money or, you know, just to grow something. And, you know, we're in alcohol, we're a vice industry. We're not trying to say this is a healthy product. We're not trying to say anything like that. We know, you know, the issues with alcohol that are out there. So we're trying to do our best to, you know, kind of be the change that we want to see in this industry, because we know maybe not everybody else that's in our industry is concerned about all of these things as as passionately as we are. So uh, we want to kind of create a new standard and push some of the other industry giants into adopting that as well with the B Corp. Yeah, really like that. It was, I'm trying to think it's a, a Jim Collins, I believe, is kind of the who first idea of saying, okay, make sure that your your team, your people are united around uh, a vision right there, not just necessarily a business vision, but a, a social vision and stuff like that, where they really feel like they're, they're uh, contributing there, basically, rather than just being there for a paycheck, because honestly, yeah. somebody else offers them a bigger paycheck and they're out the door kind of a thing there. You yeah. really want more of that team, that family kind of atmosphere going together so it sounds like you're you're well on your way towards building that I mean, we ask a lot from our team you know we're trying to do something that no one else in the industry is doing growing at faster rate than anybody else and so if we can provide you know more satisfaction in other areas of their life that they don't need to go you know take time in their weekend to volunteer or do other things that they're passionate about they can do that as part of their work week or as part of the program at eatbox then um, you know, we can just kind of take the burden off of them and give them, you know, as much time back for their personal life and their family as possible. No, I, I like that a lot. That's, that's sounds like a very good culture built right there. So that's, that's definitely yeah. takes a lot of effort, but still, it, it, I think it'll pay off in the end for sure for it. For sure. And, and, you know, every industry is just getting more and more competitive for top talent. So, you know, hopefully that's something that will help us stand out as well. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it, it will be. It's it's one of those we're seeing a lot of these days of just having a hard time finding talent, having a hard time bringing it in. So it's any little bit that you can have there from a, an advantage or is, is a lot better. For sure. So always like kind of wrapping up here towards the end of just saying, hey, if there was something five, six, seven years ago, whatever it now is now, that if I had just known this or if we'd just known about this best practice, kind of a something lessons learned. Does anything specific come to mind? Well, for me, I always kind of harp on, you know, two major things that have helped me uh, throughout my journey. One of them is having that community for your entrepreneurial journey. Um, You know, being an entrepreneur every day, you have to do something you've never done before. So who do you turn to for questions? Who do you turn to? And, you know, it can't just be one or two people because they're going to get pretty tired of your phone calls, you know, pretty quickly. So 
um, you know, joining those entrepreneur groups has been a really awesome thing for me. Uh, being aligned with the best top people that are doing things in their own industries is just really inspiring. And so uh, getting aligned with other entrepreneurs and other things like that, I think is my number one uh, tip for folks. And then number two, for me personally, you know, we have a lot of highs and lows with this business, you know, from Shark Tank to almost going out of business because we didn't know we could fundraise, you know, all these kinds of issues. Um, it, it actually took me a lot of time and therapy and reading books and things like that to separate my own sort of emotional uh, identity and health uh, from the business, you know, health. So that was something that I worked on a lot. I read a book called Mindsight by Dan Siegel that was really interesting to me because I like to nerd out about uh, all things science. And so to me, it kind of explained um, a lot of the therapy techniques and the different things that people do um, and actually how it works in the brain biologically. So that really helped me understand and get it. And so that helped me learn things about meditation, um, get involved in things like that so that I can kind of separate, you know, the emotions of what's going on with the business with my own reactions and my own processing of that. So that's the other thing I like to talk about is just getting support for mental health. I always say, if you're going to be a, a pro athlete, you would have a coach, right? Helping you and, and a trainer helping you and all these kinds of things. So uh, all of us as entrepreneurs and other people that have really stressful jobs or we put a lot on our brains, it's like, why wouldn't you want a special coach for that or, or somebody to help you really maximize it? So always advocate for therapy and, and groups around that as well. Yeah, no, definitely good. Cause it's, it's one of those, obviously you almost don't know it until you've been in the entrepreneur kind of world, but yeah, it can be a lot of pressure, especially being at the top that, okay, now there's 20, 20 other people depending <laughs> upon me being able to move this forward kind of a thing. But yeah. to me, that's almost one of the benefits of, of the system that you're talking about is saying, okay, the more you can systematize the business, I actually had another guest on that. I love the quote, but basically it was the point which you stopped treating the business like a hot dog stand and tried treating it more like a restaurant was when it really took off and grew because how many business owners do you see that you can't even take a vacation without taking the laptop and the cell phone, et cetera, with you kind of a thing there. It's like, you've got to be able to separate yourself from the business. Yeah. If nothing else, then one day being able to sell it or being able to exit it profitably kind of a thing. If it's all you, then you're yeah. never going to be able to get out of it. Yeah, absolutely. If you have that big vision for your company, you know, building those systems and processes and, you know, we always joke, like if anyone gets hit by a bus, we still want the rest of the team to be successful and go on. So how do we set up the whole company to be, you know, resilient in that nature? So. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's the biggest key on being able to actually even grow it. Cause, thing, cause it, you made the comment earlier. It's like, okay, this is the point where you could kind of step out of the trenches and, and be more strategic in your role there. And if you didn't have processes didn't have systems that'd be a whole lot more difficult for sure right it's just like when you're working with top talent and they're having problems it's like you want to do everything you can to to get it out of their way and solve it for them and so that's where i'm you know finding myself now is just how can i be that strategic leader as well as of course deal, you know working with our investors and everything else as well so it sounds like a lot of fun so if <laughs> people are looking more fun when music festivals come back yeah <laughs> We're getting there. We're getting there. So one step at a time. But uh, so if people want to learn more or, or find Beatbox, where's the where's the best place to come looking for you? Yeah, beatboxbeverages.com. We also are all over, you know, social, wherever you consume your favorite content, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or wherever you are, um, look for us there as well. And um, yeah, please follow us. Hopefully we will be in a store near you very soon if we're not now. 
Sounds good. Yeah, we'll get the links right here below. But I appreciate the time. Appreciate the insights. That was fun. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com. brands is kind of set up to be a house of brands. We want to be the change that we want to see in the alcohol industry. Right now, we're actually in certification process to become a B Corp. And so we're in application for that. And so we are just trying to be the change and grow to create a next generation house of brands for millennials and for Gen Z. And so that means being sustainable, having diverse leadership, those kinds of things. And kind of saw that we were getting to the point where we were, you know, only growing the business to a certain point, we needed to hire to get to the next level. It's actually pretty funnily well documented on our episode of Beyond the Tank with Mark Cuban. It was actually when he kind of had the big meeting with us and we went forward and started hiring our sales team for the first time. And, uh, you know, at first we had a very lean startup approach to just hiring, you know, people that were fans of the product that, you know, would work with us and get us to the next level, but weren't necessarily like top of the industry folks. Um, and that's what we needed to do to get to the next level at the time and what we could afford. But, um, you know, now that we've raised some more funds and we can bring in these people, it's been really transformational. And so my role has changed a lot from, you know, literally doing everything from making the product to driving it, to selling it myself in stores, to running the events, and, you know, everything that we've done. Um, has now moved where I can really geek out about the strategy of the business and the processes. And so I just become a, a real process nerd. I'm the chief operating officer at my company. And so uh, we use a system called EOS, Entrepreneur's Operating System. And so I've gotten really into that and working with my team to try and make everybody uh, positioned so that we can scale and grow. It's really just a distillation of a lot of best practices like the Rockefeller habits and other things. So, you know, it's just a system. It's been proven. It's not, you know, every company I think has little tweaks on it, but if you don't have a system, it's really transformational once you get on one. And if you have a system that you're using like that, that has tools to train your team and things like that too, it, it just makes it easier for you to train people and get them going quickly and things like that. So that's another part of it that we've loved.